I'm pulling out of the parking lot. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work and drop my son off at camp. Okay, so today um, I'm going to talk about the six ages of magic design. Um, this is something I've talked about on my column a bit, but I don't think I've done a full podcast on it. And I've recently updated to add the sixth age. I think I finally figured out when and where and what it means. So today I'm going to talk about all six ages. Um, so in some levels, this is a history of magic design podcast, sort of talking about the different innovations of magic design and sort of how things have changed. Um, so if you love magic design, which hopefully you do if you listen to this podcast, and you're interested in history, which also hopefully you care some of us since you listen to this podcast, uh, today will be an interesting day for you. Okay, so the first age, the golden age of magic, um, was uh, from alpha through alliances. Um, so the first age of magic, uh, obviously, uh, the Richard was mostly in charge in the early part of it. Um, and really what happened in the early days was there was a lot of focus on individual cards. Uh, the design of the first age was very, very much about sort of just capturing the flavor and the resonance on a card-by-card basis. And a lot of how early design was done was just maximizing making each card as cool as it could be in a vacuum. Um, And there was a lot of flavorful stuff that went on. I mean, the the first age was sort of, we'll put magic on the map. Um, I think a lot of what made magic a a thing that really sort of made magic what it was, was this, the idea of these cards were so evocative and that each card could do its own thing. And that, you know, um, Richard's whole idea is the game is bigger than the box. Um, I've talked about this quite a bit. And the idea was he wanted you to explore and discover as you played other people. You would see cards you didn't know existed and stuff like that. And so a lot of the focus in the early days uh, in the original design was really just on a card-by-card basis making awesome things. Um, Now, one of the problems of that was when you were making decisions on a card-by-card basis, you're not necessarily making decisions that are consistent overall. And so one of the the downsides of the first age was that there really was a sense of whenever I would try to figure something out, I would make the decision based upon the, the card at the moment. In fact, a lot of the rulings from early magic were sort of like, well, how does this card work? How does the flavor of this card? Okay, well, if that's true, then I guess this card does this. And they would do the same for each card. And what happened was, in a vacuum, cards all worked the same. I'm sorry, in a vacuum, cards all worked cool, but they didn't all work the same. The decisions made on one card weren't necessarily decisions made on other cards. So there was a lot of inconsistency, um, which leads us into the second age. So the, the thing about the first age, by the way, I, I don't want to... I think a lot of times when you look at something like, uh, we'll take the Model T. The Model T, uh, comparative to modern cars, seems you know old and... Uh, ancient, right? It seems antiquated. But but the point was, in its day, the Model T was an amazing thing in its day. Because before the Model T was horses. This was a mechanical car. Um, and so one of the things, as I talk about the ages, each of these ages built on the one that came before. So I, I no way besmirched the first age. The first age was awesome. If the first age didn't exist, the second age wouldn't have existed. Most of what I'm trying to explain today is sort of how each age led into the next age. So I don't really want... My goal is not to be critical of early ages. I think early ages, you know, 
early magic was amazing for what it was because nothing had ever, like this had ever been done before. And sets, you know, the technology of how we do design, it slowly got built up over time. So the first age really was this exploration of space, of what is this, what can we do? Um, and a lot of really big concepts happened during the first age. You know, stuff like multicolor or legendary things or, you know, just r really finding a sense of how all the things fit together and how things worked. Um, but the one thing the first age, one of the symptoms of the first age that I think led to the second age was when you were making decisions on a case-by-case -case basis, when every card is maximizing how it feels, while you have very evocative cards, but you have a system that's inconsistent. And that was one of the biggest problems in that the rules didn't work the same for every card. You know, the rules would do one thing for one card, but a different thing for another card. Or just how the color pie was applied. You know, it was, each card was flavorful into itself, but it created an inconsistency in how the color pie was applied to it. Um, and so I think what the second age was, the second age, basically, um, Joel Mick took over as uh, head designer. Back then, uh, head designer and head developer were the same role. Um, there was just one role, but Joel Mick took over. Um, Joel, for those that don't know, so Richard Garfield obviously created the game. Richard sort of oversaw in the beginning. Uh, and then eventually Joel started taking over. So, I mean, what happened was early on Richard was doing some design and then Richard went on to do other things. Uh, if you remember early, early in Wizards, um, we really thought that trading card games, not just Magic, but trading card games as a whole, were going to be this, this giant thing. And so Richard went off and he made uh, Jihad, which turned into Vampire the Internal Struggle. And he made uh, Netrunner. And he made... Um, Battle tech. I mean, he made all sorts of different trading card games, and the idea of trying to just make a lot of different trading card games. Um, so what happened was he was off doing other games. He wasn't doing Magic anymore, and so a, b a bunch of people came in. A lot of a lot of the early playtesters were the first people to come into R and D. Uh, Joel was one of the early playtesters. He was with the group that made Mirage, and um, Joel came in and he was the first uh, head designer um, outside of Richard, past Richard. Um, and I think one of the things that Joel tried to do is said, you know what, we need some consistency, you know, and Joel and Bill really together pushed to get the sixth edition rules done to say, you know what, our rules aren't tight enough. We have too many inconsistencies. Um, they also did some work to clean up sort of what colors did what and how things worked and to try and have some consistency to how we design things. Um, and the other big thing that happened with, uh, under Joel's leadership is the era of the block started. That before that, really sets were individual. You know, sets were sort of designed and um, alliances happened, but what really happened was alliances wasn't made to be an Ice Age expansion. I don't know if people realize this. Alliances wasn't designed that way. Alliances was just made to be another cool set. And for flavor purposes, we decided to make it an extension. Alliances was the very first set I worked on when I got to Wizards. Um, and a lot of the overlap that existed was uh, we put in development, we put it in. Almost no overlap existed because that wasn't really the intent of what they were doing when they made alliances. They were just making another set. But for thematic reasons, we said, okay, this is tied into to, to Ice Age. And so we sort of worked on it and added that element in. So Ice Age block kind of existed. And obviously we went back and made Colts in that many years later. But really the first block in any sort of true sense of the block, I mean, Ice Age was kind of hobbled together, was Mirage. Mirage and Visions were made together. They were made to be played together. Weatherlight wasn't made with it. It was something separate. Um, but in the early days, usually the team that made the large set made the first small set. And the second small set was often made by a different team. 
Um, over time, that would change. We'll get there today. Um, so anyway, what happened was the idea of, okay, we're not just going to make random sets. Our, our sets are going to go together. And the idea of having an increment of time, which was a year, to say, okay, th this is a block of sets. Three sets are going to all go together. And the idea was there would be some continuity to those sets. There'd be some mechanical continuity. There'd be flavor continuity. That it was one of the things that we wanted to do was make sure, like, as you start making more and more sets, they start blurring together. And so, early sets, you know, we're sort of like, oh, I'm, this is the set I'm doing. And eventually, we're like, okay, well, let's band some sets together. And we said, okay, we, we also the other thing about Mirage is it's really the first set where, where limited got heavily influenced on in how it was made. Um, you know, if you've ever played Ice Age or Legend Sealed, it's eh, not particularly good. They weren't really made with that in mind. Where Mirage, we meant for Limited to be played. We actually, in development, thought about it. Now, how is Mirage development versus later? We learned a lot. Mirage is, is quaint and somewhat like... So one of the things that's funny, if you look at early design, is we would learn things, but we'd learn them really slowly. You know, like... Strip mine was too good, so I made Wasteland. Okay, well, Wasteland's a lot better than Strip Mine, but... Or another example was, in Mirage, we made a Fireball. We had, um, not, not essentially Fireball, but a Expel, you know, with one red mana. And like in Tempest, I was trying to fix that problem, so I, I kept an Expel common. I just made it two red mana, so it's harder to splash. You know, and little by little, we start figuring out where things need to go and where, you know... Maybe an X-Spell is so powerful that it's supposed to be a rare thing. Not just not common, but not uncommon. Maybe it's supposed to be rare, you know. And that little by little, we start figuring out things. Um, but I think the second age of design is really about the idea of thinking of things um, in a larger context. The idea of how do these things click together? How do these things work? How can I make a rule for one card that applies for all the cards like it, not just itself? Um, and so really the second age of design was all about sort of linking things together and making more of a cohesive system. Um, Joel also, as Joel went on to become um, the brand manager of Magic for a while. And under his leadership of brand management, uh, we started putting um, um, rarity symbols on. We started numbering cards. Like we started doing more things to think of the cards in a larger context. Oh, well, this is 122 of 145. This is this, you know, this card is this rarity. You know, we, we started doing more things to sort of make things come part of the, the whole. And even in design, that was very much more the case, for example. Like, the way early blocks worked is we said, okay, there's two mechanics. We introduced two mechanics per block. What are the two mechanics? And we'd introduce those. Now, be aware, early on, we would have other mechanics. We just wouldn't name them. Um... We only, usually only had two named mechanics. And we tended to choose bigger mechanics that we could stretch out over three, three sets. Um, and we would find some way to do them and then slowly tweak them as we went along. That, okay, that was the second age of design. So the third age of design is when Bill Rose took over as head designer. Um, Joel, Mick, and Bill Rose were good friends. They had worked together um, uh, making Mirage and Visions. Uh, they, they were good friends. So when um, Joel left Magic Design, or left R&D, to go be the brand manager of Magic, Bill ended up taking Joel's position. Um, and so, uh, and the first set really under uh, Bill's watch was Invasion. 
Um, so real quickly, uh, age number one was Alpha through Alliances. Uh, age number two was Mirage through Prophecy. So age number three starts with Invasion. And the reason it starts with Invasion is this is where we start to see the theming of blocks. Early on, um, there wasn't a lot of themes. Like Mirage had a setting, um, but the setting wasn't horribly intertwined. The fact that it was this African setting didn't really imply what the mechanics were. And the mechanics was, like for Mirage was flanking and phasing. Did, what did those have to do with each other? Uh, they fit, they, I don't know, nothing per se. Like they, the early blocks were kind of built around mechanics and had a, definitely a feel to them, but it, there wasn't a, a thematic connection. And starting with Invasion, like Invasion was, we are a multicolor block. That's what we are. We have a theme. You know, it was followed by Odyssey that was a graveyard block, which was followed by Onslaught, which was a tribal block, which was followed by Mirden, which was an artifact block. You start seeing thematic blocks. Blocks become themes. Um, and that is, I, I think, a big part of, of what, what Bill did was the idea of, okay, we have consistency where our, our rules are working together, the, the color pie makes sense, you know, we, we've figured out how things work and applied it across, but now we can go to the next step. And the next step was we can give more flavors to our blocks. We can make our blocks about something, um, conceptually, flavorfully, mechanically. Um, and also, like, we've started seeing Invasion, you know, it... I mean, we've started telling story during the middle of the Second Age, obviously, with the Weatherlight Saga, but you start to see in the design trying to have more integration. And the other thing that Invasion started to do is really, for the first time ever, think about not, like, Second Age design was you made a set, and then the second set, eh, did more of the first set, but you didn't really think it out much. Um, now, Invasion went a little farther. Uh, it definitely sort of said, what's our theme for the set, and sort of thought about it. Um, but it leads us into the fourth age of design. So the third age of design started, um, an invasion ended in Saviors of Kamigawa. So the fourth age starts in Ravnica. That is when I take over as head designer. Um, at that point, the position splits in two. So there's a head designer and head developer. I just become the head designer, not the head developer. Um, head developer at the time was, I think, uh, Brian Schneider, I think, begins. So what happened was, uh, Bill had become vice president and stayed on as head designer slash developer and vice president. And eventually it was clear there was just too much going on that Bill couldn't do a good job of doing both. And so Randy, who had taken over for Bill sort of as the director overseeing Magic when Bill became the vice president, um, the, uh, what happened basically was he convinced Bill that we needed to have a head designer and head developer. He realized we needed different positions. So I was assigned, I was, I was made head designer, and Brian Schneider was made head developer. Um, so, is that timing right? It's possible the head developer job got split before. Uh, actually, I think maybe what Bill did is he split head design from head developer, Randy became head developer for a while before Randy took over director. Anyway, lots of little details. So anyway, um, the fourth age of design was really all about the idea of more planning, that blocks were planned out, and that they represented something. Um, so, for example, Ravnica is the first set where, I mean, Invasion had done some proto work in this, but Ravnica is the first set where said, okay, we're building a block, block, the first block is doing this piece of it, and the second block is doing that, and the third block, you know, where blocks were planned, that, you know, 
Um, blacks had a theme under the third age. They were about something. But in the second age, they really started to have an actual plan. That there was a build to them. There was a theme to them. They represented something. You know, Ravnica obviously was uh, what I call pie design, where four pieces went in the first set, and three in the second, and three in the third. Um, that was followed by Time Spiral, where we did the past, the present, and the future. You know, we were really thinking about how we put things together. Um, then came Lorwyn and Shadowmore, where we created a, two mini-blocks that paralleled each other. Um, you know, we started... So the, the fourth age of design is really thinking about how things clicked and what they were and really taking the blocks as a whole and starting to figure out how to ingrain, every, uh, ingrain everything, um, interconnected. Um, the other thing we started to do in the fourth age of design is really say, what is our theme that we're doing? Let's make sure our mechanics are playing into how we're building the block together. For example, in Ravnica, we did a guild design, and so different mechanics showed up tied to different guilds. Um, the other big thing about the fourth age design was I was very conscious of sort of where were we directed, what were we trying to do, um, and um, it's it's it's... I think I was very, very focused on figuring out how to give strong identity to the blocks that wasn't just a an outward-facing thing, but an inward structural building thing. And fourth, fourth uh, age really changed how we how we built blocks and how blocks got put together. Um, for example, fourth is really the one where we said, okay. Um, this goes here, this goes there, this goes there. The idea was, if I took any card out of a block, I could tell which, blo- which set it was supposed to go into. That the sets had enough identity from each other that it's clear within the context of the block where it went. You know, if I showed you a multicolor card, well, somewhere in multicolor, you know, Invasion's multicolor, somewhere that would go, or, you know, Odyssey's a graveyard, well, you know, this card would go somewhere in Odyssey. You could tell it's from the block, but you couldn't necessarily tell exactly what set it was from. Okay, uh, so the fourth age design went from Ravnica through Rise of the Eldrazi. So the fifth age started in Scars of Mirrodin. So Scars of Mirrodin was where I really started getting the idea of, okay, not, am I, not only am I structuring my blocks, I'm trying to evoke something out of the blocks. This is where I really, I really first started playing the idea of emotional resonance. Like, okay, what am I trying to do? What am I trying to get people to feel? You know, Scars of Mirrodin was all about the Frexians invading. And so I really spent a lot of time and energy saying, okay, well, how do the Frexians make you feel? What is the emotion that's going on? What is, and how do I make the gameplay and match the emotional resonance I'm trying to get out of the player? Um, so I talk a lot. I, I recently did a thing on emotional resonance in my, um, my 20 Lesson series. Um, this is where the part where that really started coming home, the idea of, okay, I'm doing a set. I'm trying to make the audience feel a certain way. I'm trying to match up the gameplay. I'm trying to match up the mechanics. You know, that before, the mechanics were trying to lock into how the block was structured. Now they were trying to tie in not just into that, but what was the overall emotional feel we were going through? What's the block trying to do? How is it trying to make you feel? Um, and um, obviously, I, I've been the head designer. So the first few ages kind of match with different head designers. Um, what happens is, since I've been doing this for a while, as I sort of make big innovations, that's when ages happen uh, when I'm in charge, even though I'm, I'm obviously for the fourth, fifth, and sixth, I'm, I'm still all head designer. Um, so the fifth design really played an emotional resonance, really sort of thinking about how mechanics tied into how it made you feel. And it went from Scars of Mirrodin through um, Journey into Nyx. 
So the sixth age, which, which recently happened, I'll talk a little more of this because I haven't talked a lot about it. The sixth age of design, the biggest innovation of the sixth age of design was a couple things. Uh, the biggest one was the introduction of exploratory design. Um, I, I talked about this recently in my lessons learned, but this is a good metaphor. Let me talk about this a little bit. The way I used to build sets was essentially, I'll use my metaphor of the house, was I would say, okay, I have to start building the house. Well, what's the most logical thing I could do? What do I, from, from the little bit I know about the house, what do I think I have to do? Well, this wall, I guess this wall would go up. So I'd build that wall. And then as I'm trying to map out the house, I'm like, okay, well, it's time to build another wall. Okay, what's the most logical place for me to put this next wall? And what happened was I was kind of building the house. I, I was kind of plotting the house while I was building the house. And that's hard because sometimes you make decisions and you're committed to that decision. It's like, I can't just necessarily pull walls down. So like once I build a couple walls and then when, I, like when I'm putting on the fourth wall, if I realize the first wall's something's wrong with it, like, well, but the wall's up. Um, so what exploratory design said is, okay, let's do blueprints. Let me figure this all out before I'm committed to having to actually build the building. Let, and if I'm doing blueprints, I can put a wall up and scratch it off. You know, I have the freedom to move things around because I'm not committed to anything yet. And exploratory design really changed that dynamic of how we can think about design. Now, the funny thing is, this is more inward facing than outward facing. Um, but what the, the end result, which I think the audience can see, is it ended up with a, very, uh, a much tighter element of design. That how the things pull together. Um, now, like I said, when I did my lessons learned in Kansas Tarkir, there was a few mistakes made in Kansas Tarkir, but there was a, a through line between the mechanics and the, um, the set. I mean, I still cared about the emotional resonance. I still cared about the block structure. Um, but I'm starting to do in such a way that the pieces are very different than we've seen before. Um, for example, just the very nature, like in Khans, how I was able to take the clans, convert them, change them, have each one represent one end of the spectrum, but then have a through line between all three sets in the clans, that wasn't something I could have done before. That, that required me spending some time thinking about how to map certain things out. Um, and like I said, cons was the first time out. I, th I think each set has gotten better since then. Um, and, but it, the idea of having the exploratory design so that we can map things out ahead of time, that we can sort of see where we're going, that we can do that, fundamentally changed how we build sets. It changed how the integration of the sets, it changed sort of our ability to experiment and to push things. Um, the other big thing that the six age of design did is, uh, not only did we start exploratory design, we started exploratory world building. And that has proven invaluable. Because one of the things that um, I've been able to do that wasn't true before is I now start building. Back in the day, I would start building sets before I had any idea really what the creative was. I would talk with the creative team and get a, a ballpark area, but they were really busy doing other stuff. And so I would sort of take a, a first stab at it and then what would happen was, once the creative got involved, they tried to sort of fix up what was going on. But I would make decisions based on things I didn't know. And a lot of times we got ourselves in trouble because I would commit to something that, because I didn't, you know, I, I had nothing else to work on. So I would just make decisions. And we would end up sometimes making decisions that didn't optimize what creative wanted. 
Um, so the idea is once we started to exploratory design, they started to do exploratory world building, which said, let's work ahead, let's plan ahead. Let's figure out what we want about this world. What, what's the flavor we want? What are the components we need? What are all the creative things we have to figure out so that when we get to the world, and then when, when I get to exploratory design, I have some idea what's going on. I have some idea wh what the world's supposed to be about. Um, and it allows me to interact with them in a, I mean, there's always been some connection between creative and design. We were always at work together. Um, but I think as you move through the ages, what you find is we're working earlier and earlier together and more and more together. And I think the sixth age of design is we're doing all this work, you know, they're doing exploratory design, uh, world building, I'm doing exploratory design. It's weaving together and all that's getting done before design even starts. This is all pre-design. Um, so when I sit down now to start a design, the amount of information I have, like once upon a time when I started a design, it's like, okay, it's blank page, let's go. And now I start with like an outline. I start with uh, a clear idea of what it is I'm trying to build. I have blueprints, you know, I have preliminary blueprints to start figuring out what I'm doing. Um, and that has fundamentally changed how we design because I'm now... I'm not playing catch up. I'm not sort of designing on the go. I have the freedom to really think ahead to what I want and to work with the, the creative team in a way to maximize, like, um, to, to have us be able to come together and do things. Um, uh, my best example is from Kaladesh, but Kaladesh is not public yet. Although, uh, by the time you hear this, it might be. It'll be really close. Uh, but Kaladesh, I mean, I'll talk a little abstract because I don't know whether or not you know Kaladesh yet, but Kaladesh has its major mechanic and its creative contribution are so entwined. What defines the world creatively is what defines the game mechanically, the set mechanically. And the fact that they're that interwoven is really a testament to how the sixth age of design works. Um, so the sixth age of design is uh, starts in Kaladesh here and... Um, goes till we get a seventh age. I'll let you know when a seventh age happens. Um, but anyway, so to recap, uh, the six ages of design. So first age was alpha through alliances. That was the age of the individual card design. The second age was mirage through prophecy. Uh, that was the age of interconnectivity, uh, the start of the block, uh, and the idea of just thinking of things in larger context, of having things work together in, in a system. Uh, the third age of design was Invasion through Saviors of Kamigawa. That was all about theming, about connectivity, about um, making sure that blocks had an overall theme to them. Uh, fourth age was Ravnica through Rise of the Drazi. That was all about block planning and really sort of picking mechanics in such a way that they allowed us to create a connected block. The fifth age was Scars of Mirrodin through Journey into Nyx. That was all about emotional resonance, about designing in such a way that your designs reinforce and enhance the gameplay thus that you match the feel that you want to get out of the gameplay, that you want your audience to feel a certain way to match the world you're in. And the sixth age of design starts with Kanta Tarkir to present day, um, and that is talking about using exploratory design and exploratory world building to, to pre-work, to lay down foundations so that we're figuring out what we need to do ahead of time, and so we are building... Um, we are building on stuff that's carefully planned in a way that we had never been able to plan before. And that, my friends, is the six ages of magic design. So I hope you enjoyed this little jaunt through history, little design history, um, something near and dear to my heart, and uh, I hope to have many more ages of design to come. In fact, 
I can see a seventh one on the horizon. Anyway, um, thanks for joining me. I'm now in my parking space. We all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thanks for joining me, guys. And I hope, I hope you, I don't know, I, I always, when I always do design stuff like this, I, I hope it means something people, um, anyway, I care a lot about the design stuff. So anyway, sorry, I, 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 I segued off my, my thing. So uh, instead of making magic, it's time for, sorry, instead of talking magic, time for me to be making magic. Okay, guys, I will see you next time. Bye-bye.